Broadcast Network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries and your number one source for after show entertainment. AfterBuzz TV, the destination for TV superfans. Producing after shows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows. Interviewing celebrities and showrunners. And bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Get up! Stand up! Oh, we gotta put our hands up. Oh. I don't know why we're doing Black Power. Stand but, up. You know. Because we holding the line. Yeah, we hold the line. We hold the line. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of After Buzz TV's recap of BET's The Game Season. What is this? Season 9. nine. It's a, oh, I'll keep forgetting. Season 9, Episode 5. Get up. Stand up. That's why we didn't come in with our typical. Cause you know, I mean, you can kind of do it to this, but it's, it, I think I think we need, today we need to symbolize what the song is about. So, yeah, yeah, it doesn't, yeah, not yeah. Good. We had to come up with something different. Yes, it's all about standing for your right to fight. And I am Megan Thomas at Meg Scoop on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Who are you? I am Kevin John, your co-host, and you can find me on Twitter, inst- Twitter, Instagram at Hey Kevin John. You can find me on. You know what? They don't find you nowhere if you don't know where you can be found. I don't. <laughs> Thank you for the round of applause there. You can also find me getting standing ovations in the AfterBuzz TV studio. Uh, but yeah, Twitter, Instagram at Hey Kevin John, or on Facebook, Kevin John Peters. Okay. I really all get right, off Kevin Facebook. Kevin John Peters. But you guys got the Facebook, and I never get right, that out. Right. So let's talk about this episode. It's all about standing up for what you believe in. Um, we see that Big Roger is mad because his team walked out on him last episode. They did not. They decided they. I thought they were just having practice. I didn't realize they walked out like from the game. Game. Yeah. So yeah. they walked out from the game. Big Rogers like Jason, get my team back. They need to be back here. And of course, Jason, you know, he's the middle name, middleman between his boss and his players. So. Well, you know, I think really, if anything, Jason. Love him to death, but I, you know, even since he took over the interim head coach job, I just do not see him in that kind of role. And I say that exuding leadership skills, and especially in situations like this, when everyone's counting on you to make the right decision. He seemed all discombobulated at the meeting, which we'll get into in a little bit. But uh, the thing is, with something like this, you, I can see how someone can have an internal conflict going on over this. Right. Because you know what you want to do, but then you also know what's right. Right. And I think that Jason was clearly torn in between each one. He didn't know. And he's not the best leader, per se, or decision maker, as we've seen. But um, fortunately, he has people around him that do make great decisions. Right, right. So we see that he decides to call a meeting with all the players and their wives, the Sunbeams. Kelly comes. um, And they talk about what they're going to do because the team is basically going to hold the line until Big Roger gives them an apology. Mm -hmm. But... Blue, you know, he's conflicted in, within himself as to what to do. And rightly so. Because that's, you know, that's... Nowadays, I don't think athletes are activists. They just go to play a game. They go home. Back in the day, especially black athletes used to be activists. Because they were like, look, you can't treat people like this. And then... 
be like, yay, you, you're going to take our baseball team to the top, but then you still got to go through the back door. I am going to respectfully disagree. I do think that black athletes, particularly now within the last five years, especially with the dons of social media, have took it upon themselves to take initiative Boo. to be social activists. And particularly if in the NBA this year, yes, we saw the I, I Can't that. Breathe shirts. They yes. were all rallying behind Eric Gardner and obviously uh, Black Injustice. They were fighting for that. Also, um, with what happened last season with Donald Sterling, yep. the leader of the Clippers, who I think this episode may have been, or this situation right, right. was probably inspired off of, you saw how players, not just from the Clippers, but from other organizations, were also rally behind and kind of ally, um, allies with the Clippers right. in order to voice their support. So well, I think, it's, it's gotten better. It's yeah. gotten better, but I'm just saying historically, if you look at the timeline of things, athletes are not, like back in the day, it was, it was understood. If you're a black athlete, you are also an activist for your community. Mm-hmm. They go hand in hand. You can't sit here and, you know, Paul Robeson, if you're or you're fighting, you can't yeah. do stuff and then act like, oh, it doesn't affect me because I'm an athlete and I'm a star player. Whereas nowadays, you know, it's kind of changed, but it's getting back to, I, I think, those activist days because the conditions have been so bad. Exactly. Because we're people a are dying of, left and right. We're seeing a nothing. repeat of history. So right. that's why they're taking it. And I think, you know, speaking of, just to attest to what you said, you're right, it did get off track for a little bit in the late 90s, you know, in this massive deals. And Charles Barkley infamously stated, I am not a role, a role model. model. Right. So I do, yeah. So there was a period of time where athletes were just showing up, getting their money. and like, I don't care what y'all do, what y'all, you know, I'm about this cheddar. So it's good to see the evolution and it's starting to come back together. But it's, real, it's a little interesting because on this show, uh, Big Roger, who's the owner, is black. So for him, so, you know, we typically have seen, like, the owners of these teams that are not black, Mm -hmm. and you have Donald Sterling making these comments Mm -hmm. about black people, and here, the black owner is making these similar comments about his team. So it was a little weird, because I'm like, oh, but but Baby Roger, I mean, Big Rogers makes a good point when, you know, we'll talk about it later, but he does say something to the effect of, this is how we talk in private, guys. Well, the thing, and speaking of talking in (laughs) private... You're right. And he was talking in private when it was secretly recorded. Donald Sterling was talking in private when he was secretly recorded. And, I, you know, I think, I, you know, I don't want to sit here and call all NFL or professional sport team owners racist or bigoted or discriminatory or prejudiced because not all of them are. But are right. there right. Uh, are there a lot out there that probably do feel that way but don't say it? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think that scene was so powerful. When they were in the car and he was talking to the four owners on um, Skype or whatnot, yeah. and they're like, "Look, we talk about the we talk about this in private, but we don't want it to go out there." Uh, that was my make believe accent of what he sounded like. But, um, <laughs> that was horrible, by the way. It was quite horrible. horrible. Thank you, Megan. Um, but no, at the end of the day, I think that just kind of truly showed that look, you know, that we know racism exists. And we know that there's owners that have that kind of mentality where they, or, or have the mentality where their athletes are slaves to them. So I think that in all honesty, there was some truth to what it uh, transpired. But with that being said, you still can't. You know. Right. And I think also, uh, Big Roger had the, the, what you call it? I guess he kind of felt safe saying whatever because he's like, I'm black. I can't be considered racist. So yeah, I can say that, you know, I'm the slave master, whatever, the slave trade, whatever. I can say these comments and I, I'm shielded with the color of my skin. So you're not going to call me racist for saying this stuff. So I'm good. You ever seen, uh, you ever heard of Clarence Thomas? Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's um, exactly what this is. This is ha- what- have you ever heard of Herman Cain? Have you ever heard of, uh, um, you know, the, the, the list goes on ben and on. Carson, Even Bill Dr. Cosby before all the allegations was, <laughs> 
attacked by for, for what he said about the black race. So I, I understand that the fact that obviously because of who he is and the color that he is, you know, oh, I can say that I'm black. Uh, not necessarily because the thing you don't realize is that even though you're black and saying it, you have other people that are looking at what you're saying and other people thinking that this is how, you know, um, blacks right. think about each other. And so. and he thought it was okay to say, especially because, you know, like just the fact that they were in the van and they were talking about how he's getting ready to go get in a word from the NRA. <laughs> He's like, now those are some people who know how to stick up for what they believe in. It's going to get more Republican (laughs) than that right there. All right. Truth. I was like, the NRA will take a stand, honey, and they're st- they will not waver, and they will make sure you make you make the laws to benefit them. Yeah. All right. The NRA does not play. Yeah. So that was really funny. Um. So let's get back to the meeting. Um. Blue. We know that he had the press conference with Tasha, or uh, the press conference prep. I guess. Rehearsal. Like, like he had a prep about what how he was going to answer the qu- the questions, and he didn't set out to be an activist. He really was like, no, nah, I'm just trying to stand up for what I believe in, which is you can't call us slaves. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not going to play on your team if that's how you feel about. And well, he—if he didn't set out to be an activist, he said he certainly turned into Malcolm X in that meeting. He was uh, rallying the troops, but you know, I don't know. I, I think as an athlete, particularly in this situation, or in any situation, as an athlete, when you're coming to a team, you realize that you are a product. Whether they want to say it or not, you are a product. You're being bought and sold for a dollar figure, meaning they are assigning a dollar value to your worth. Right. Megan is worth. Fifty million dollars. Hey, I want to get. Well, I think you're priceless, Megan. <laughs> oh, you're so uh, sweet. Yeah. But I need a dollar attached. To it. <laughs> I ain't enough. I need a, a money sign. Okay, fifty cents. <laughs> So anyways, um, that was a a rapper. So anyways, back to what I was saying, you know, at the end of the day, you do have to realize that as an athlete, that they they do see you as a dollar value, especially if you look at right now, the NBA and offseason free agent signings and stuff, they're looking at you as a dollar sign, not that. So I think athletes know that. And what Blue is saying is essentially, look, you know, I understand I'm playing this game because I love the game and they're playing, they're paying me X amount of dollars in order for me to perform my duties. But at the end of the day, you're going to treat me and respect, respect me as a human being, not as a product, worker, slave, indentured servant, whatever you want to say. So I, I totally understand where Blue was coming from and I'm glad that he was the one that, you know. Right. Spoke out about that because right, and I'm I'm glad he chose you know the not that wasn't an easy route to take because as you can see all the players, uh, especially the ones that make the league minimum, the ones who the gambling problem, <laughs> all these guys are like no, let's just get back to the game. I'm trying to get paid. I'm not worried. I got to pay a mortgage. I'm not worried about what this guy said. I don't care. I'm here to play a game and get my check. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, your heart kind of goes out to those people as well because, right. yeah, okay, if you just just if you're going to correlate that to a uh, football team in the league now, okay, if it's the Denver Broncos and they have the same situation. Peyton Manning, he ain't worried. Peyton Manning can you know forfeit the last six seven games of the season. He's good. His checkbook is mighty fine. But if you're somebody in there, you know, um, uh, no Sean Marino or actually just got traded or you know somebody that's making the league minimum, right. you can't. You kind of have to be like, whoa, wait a second. I got to feed my family. I got mortgages. Where's the union? Yeah. Well, certain Isn't unions. Isn't it like a players, the players union? What is it called? Isn't there like a... The NBA has one. The NBA, uh, NBA PL, PLA Players Association. Right, uh, but does, the football players have one too. The football players, I do not... I don't not, know if it's like a union, but there is like a, a representative they, that represents the players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't know the stipulations behind that. I know the NBA's is a lot more prevalent, but... Um, at the end of the day, 
and I think that's what it went back to at the um, at towards the end of it when she was saying that Blue didn't follow protocol. Oh, Maybe Blue gotcha. was supposed to go through his union or go through his players' association, and one of them was supposed to represent him on that. I don't know exactly Maybe. the the whole you know how to go about that, but um, I mean he should have been expect suspecting some kind of backlash. Like you can't sit here and lead a walkout of your team and then expect the league to be like, okay, that's fine. Like yeah. it, it was like he was surprised that they were gonna they only suspended him for one game. Like that's not even anything. Well, I mean, it's a lot if you consider how much a paycheck is per game. But what I'm saying is, first of all, he's not hurting, number one. Number two, he's you should know that there's going to be some backlash if you rise up against the, mm-hmm. the corporate machine. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, you know. It, but but you, have be, also, you have to be willing to accept it, is what I'm saying. But I also think, too, that with this given situation, since it was such a unique situation, they probably did not want to extend the suspension because then it'll make them look bad. Right. You know, because at the end of the day, this whole thing that transpired re- reflected the league in a very poor manner. And that's why they, that's what they were talking about when they were t- telling uh, Senior Raj to, you know, to, to forfeit or step down. And it makes the league look extremely bad. So they have to do something. So the fact that Blue did actually step up for that, they're like, you know what? We're not going to penalize you as bad not because as you bad. did something that we need to do. But I agree with you. I mean, you're right. not supposed to go against the corporate machine in situations. Well, I'm proud of that he did. And and you see that that Jason comes back around and he talks to Kelly and they're like, well, you know, what would you have done if you were on the team? And so he gets it and he's like, yeah, I get it. So he goes to talk to Big Raj. We see Baby Raj is in there. And shout out to Baby Raj and Chardon. Hey, that love connection is happening, honey. I told you. I love it. I'm excited. I like it how was she, kind of predictable. Whatever. It was really predictable. I, I think just, I, I like how they they you know they collaborated because it seems like they make a really good team. You know, Baby Rogers trying to figure out what to say, and here Chardonnay has the she's got the communications background to help him, you right help him figure out what he's supposed to say, and she like supports him. This is a good team. It's a good match, right? I I, I would say so as well. But then again, I, you know, you thought Chardonnay and Jason were a they good were match a good too. match. No, th- until they were Kelly atrocity. came back. until Kelly came. No, they, they weren't. They were. Kelly Trust likes me. who he had. We're not gonna have that fight again. Anyways, tonight. we had that fight too much because I, I because we're you, not gonna talk about. Okay, we're gonna, we're gonna for, stay positive. All right, okay, and we're gonna so talk good. about Big Roger and Baby Roger. So Baby Roger goes to Big Roger. He gives him the speech that he feels like he should make, and Big Roger's like, "No way, throws it away." And I was like, "Oh, he's ruthless when he fired Baby Roger." I mean, it's it's business, and then there's family. You got to separate the two. And clearly, he had no problem separating the two. Right. You know, and the thing is that uh, Senior Roger, he seems very just, I mean, cutthroat, uh, immoral. You know, I I don't see him as somebody that would do that in an honorable way anyway. So it didn't really shock me given his persona and characteristics. But it was still pretty damn harsh. It was very harsh. And, um, yes, we do see that he – I don't know. I guess it was because eventually, you know, after – Baby, Big Roger has the meeting, the Skype meeting, and he's told he's going to have to step down, and he does step down. Does that mean that Baby Roger gets his job back and it can be – because I don't know if it was like an, a, a formal fire. It was just like, you're fired, get out. It wasn't like the paperwork hadn't gone through and stuff. So does that mean in the next episode that Baby Roger does now we'll own, assume the own responsibility the of the ownership? Yeah. It all depends on – I mean, it's traditionally, yeah, it's a family-run business. So when the father passes it on to one of his sons, but the fact that he just terminated his son prior to this happening, I don't know what's going to happen because usually you know, the GM will step up into the owner. But now you have two shoes to fill. You have the owner's shoes and the uh, GM shoes. So maybe – I don't know. Maybe he'll recant his 
his firing to his son and be like, yo. Uh, well, I don't think he can at this point. I think, but here's the thing: the the NFL people didn't see that he fired Baby Roger as the GM. So technically, the only people that knows that he was fired is Big Roger, Baby Roger, and Jason, and that girl that was randomly in the in the van with him. <laughs> the extra, right? Nobody. <laughs> so technically, he he's still hired. If your dad quits right then, I mean, at that point, I you can still just think be like, I was still, still, my dad didn't fire me. I'm still working here. <laughs> I think he's. I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah, he's going to step up into the owner. And, and then he's like, going to make Chardonnay the GM. Woo, woo. Yes, Chardonnay. And then she is uh, Jason's boss. I like it. I like how you think. Uh, uh, I do like it. All right, let's talk I about... I have a brain up here. <laughs> Malik and Kira. Um, last episode, they were they decided to finally make the love connection real. And it gets a little weird because they just... They're cool. They're like fun. They're, they're buddies. They hang out. Now they're dry humping. I guess they're trying I don't to, understand what what was the whole thing on dry humping this this episode are I guess they are they, they don't abstaining really, from uh, I'm guessing because they're friends I don't know Shout is, out to Russell Wilson by the way go ahead <laughs> Like why cuz he's dry humping Sierra is that what you're saying No cuz it correlates <laughs> Look it correlates there's a tie to it okay <laughs> He's uh, a quarterback of a uh, the fr- well was a franchise quarterback of the the Sabers. Russell Wilson's the franchise quarterback of the Seahawks. They both are dating actresses or celebrities, entertainers, and they're, you know, choosing and they're to, both abstaining. And they're there's choosing a, there's a huge to dry similarity. Hump. Is yeah. dry humping abstaining technically? I mean, you're getting. <laughs> I, I don't know if the fans want to know that, but I think as long as there's no penetration, I think that's abstaining. Oh my god! I have to go to my producer who doesn't seem amused about it. But uh, let's get. No, that's all right. So we, um, so yeah, so they're they're hanging out. It's a cute relationship, but we see that this is something that happens. Your past comes back to haunt you. We see that when they go to Fatty's on their little mini date, that all these girls are mad at Malik because Malik smashed everybody. But Kira seems to know. She knows Malik. So it's annoying. She's not surprised by it, but it is. It does get annoying because it's kind of like if you're a man and you're dating a woman, and every dude that passes is somebody she had sex with. You're like, oh. I don't know. Was it was it bad that I thought one of the funniest scenes at that particular point was when the waitress walked by and she was like, "Did you have relations with her?" She's like, "Nah." And then she bent over and he was like, "Oh yes, now I know." I was like, <laughs> "That is just so terrible." So but, dis- but that's what Kira knows him. She know, you know, she can't really be mad because see, Megan, this is who he is. That is the benefit to dating your best friend. I like you it. You hear that all the time. It's good to date your best friend. You should always because you know them. Right. And this is a prime example on when best friends get together. They can make it work because they know each other. They, right. They she know knows, the They out. know that. <laughs> and, and you know how to deal with that. Thank you. Shout out to our producer. Yes, um, Steven. What's up? Uh, and then, uh, so then, yeah, when when Kira goes to, they go to the bar, and she sees that Blue's having a bad day. He's throwing back shots because he's dealing with a lot. And she wants to go talk to him. Mm. And Malik is like, nah, like, you're not about to go talk to him. She's like, just give me a minute. Let me go talk to him. And he leaves. I would have been like, first of all, bro, like, how many chicks, you done had a chick sit in your lap? Like, the chick was at his la- on his lap at the bar. All these chick is- chicks are mad. Question. Let me what? ask a question. Were any of those chicks his ex-fiance that he was in a tight relationship with, emotionally connected to? Maybe. No, no he was, no. no. It doesn't no. matter. Big difference. No, it, it does, does matter. It does not matter. What are you talking about? It doesn't matter. It Megan, doesn't matter. Are you that kidding? is an astronomical so, wait difference. Wait a minute. So you're sitting here telling me that the three chicks 
that was disrespectful to him or mad at him because he had hit it and quit. No matter, we don't even know how many times he hit it and quit. We know the last chick he didn't hit a couple of times because they used to hang out on what is it Mondays or whatever party Mondays, whatever they called it. You so you mean to tell me that the girl that that Kira saw consistently with him, meaning he smashed her on the regular, he smashed these girls that he works with that continue to work with him. And so you think that's like way less than her just going to talk to her fiance that he knows she doesn't want to be back with him. And she, he knows that the fiance doesn't want to be back with her. You think that's way worse? Absolutely. By a hundred. I should karate and I'm gonna tell you. you right. No, no, no. Let me justify. Uh-huh. And I would like to see you try to karate kick me, first of all. But anyways, let me justify. First of all, all those women that he smashed, those are not legitimate threats. Yes, they Blue- are. Is a threat. No, those women are threats. <laughs> those women are threats. Are you going to sit here and tell How? me that? Okay. Are you going to sit here and tell me that a girl who has had sex with this man repeatedly and works for him on a daily basis, he sees her ass in front of him all the time. Are you going to sit here and tell me that's not a threat? Apparently not because he didn't even remember her until she bended over. Apparently that's but it not doesn't, a threat. So it doesn't matter. Every time she bends over, he's going to be like, yo, I remember. Okay. whoop the scooby boo So he could be right? back. So that. Bit, her her bending over is not going to do anything to disrupt so he could, his relationship. No, what I'm saying is he could smash these girls at any time. He has access to them all the time. I am not condoning that. So what what I'm, I'm saying is that's more of a threat than her going to telling no. him in his face, like, hey, babe, stay right here. You'll see everything. I'm going to talk something. to him really quick. Let me, uh, I'm, I'm going to say it like this, and I'm going to try to be as concise as possible. Because I'm a heavyweight champion. I guess. So when when you first of all when you have serious ties emotional ties to somebody first of all I think that's more threatening than physical ties because physical ties can come and go when you have an emotional tie to somebody that's deep that is sincere that is authentic that is genuine that is unbreakable physical ties are breakable all the time so what I'm saying by that is the fact that she had the audacity right in front of him to con- to console Blue at that particular point in time. And also that was a bad time because he was extremely vulnerable at that particular point in time as well. And throwing back drinks. Not a good combination to be going to somebody that I she agree. had feelings for. But she was so, upfront about it and she was trying to do that in front of him because she, and she made a good point. Okay, so Malik leaves. He's pissed off. She talks to Blue and, you know, says, stay holding the line, question, brother. Megan. Hold on, wait. Let me say this. Because when she goes back and she talks to Malik, she's like, look, let's be real. You know good and well I don't want to get back with Blue and Blue does not want to get back with me. You know that for sure. You've been there to see all of this through. I know 90% that you don't want to smash those other girls again. So let's just call this what it is and let it go because we both know that we want to be together. But let me ask you a question. Did she say that before or did she say that after everything? She said that when she came back after. What after. Do you mean? Okay, so then what good but is that But he already knew. He already knew. Then he, and, then she, and she was right because she said that's your ego. Megan. And he goes, you know what? It is my ego. Let me ask you a question. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. What? I'm just going to put a, 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 a basically a hypothetical, hypothetical situation out there. You are a woman that I find highly admirable. You're Aww, very respectful. You. You're very classy. Oh, thank and you. And I, I, I sincerely look up to you. It's about to go left. Okay. It, way left, no. Um, but no, I, I, I sincerely look up to you. So if you – so I respect your, your, the, the, your answer to what I'm about to ask you. So if you're out on a date with a guy and your ex-fiance is sitting at the bar. Would you ask the guy that you're out there dating, oh, excuse me, can I go talk no, to no, my... No, 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 because if it's a guy that I'm dating, that's different from my best friend who knows everything already. That's, that's your, different. That's your dating. That's what I'm saying. If, if I was, if you're, if it's just a random guy that I was dating and we don't have history like that, then of course I would never go, can I 
talk to my ex-fiance for a second. I would never say that. But if it's my best friend who's a man I'm dating who knows all of this already, mm-hmm. then he also understands why I would want to go talk to him. And we see that clearly that's the case because Kira goes to talk to Malik at his house and she's like, that's your ego. And he agrees with her. He's like, you're right. Because I know, I know the situation. I know what it's like between y'all. But of course he's a man. You don't want to see your girl talking to another dude. I get it. But she, exactly. But he did the same thing. And she's like, wait, I got to put that to the side because that's a horrible feeling when you like, you've been with everybody. Oh my gosh! It's like dating a stripper. Like it's true. Like she, it makes you okay. feel horrible. Which that goes back to my initial thing. Their best friend. She already knew that he. Slept she already with did. The world. But what I'm saying it's different when it gets thrown in your face constantly. She, that she, was a lot. They went to two places and already had three chicks all up on. Like that's a lot. It's a lot to deal with. Like that I was kind of nasty. That was okay. Sloppy. That's all I'm saying. That bro. was sloppy. I I, uh-huh. I do agree. All right, let's do um, some predictions for the next week. <laughs> Your After Buzz TV predictions. Boop. Okay, one prediction. Go. Oh, we well, I predict that. Mm, let's see here. I'm trying to think of all that all that happened. I predict that Malik and Kira are actually going to split up. And I think I think they're going to find out that they're just best as best friends and not as lovers. Okay. And that whole thing is going to disseminate. I don't like that, but I'll I'll <laughs> let you say your opinion. Well, I think that um, Chardonnay is going to end up being working for the Sabers. I, th- I I like that prediction that she's going to be. That is true. The they GM. do need an extra janitor. So, anyways, uh, oh, you're so I'm ugly joking. for that. She's going to be the new GM, or she's going to do something. The Spadinays are going to be everywhere in the stadium. Like it's. She's gonna maybe up, she'll be like director of marketing or something. Something, but I like her being GM because that means she's in charge of Jason. And she would be the first black female GM in the history of the NFL. Oh, dope, dopeness. Uh, we got <laughs> a couple a of shoutouts, right? We got a couple of shoutouts before we get out of here. Thank you, Trini Boy Twenty Seven, Hampton Blue, Kanika Basu. Just a, a few of the people that are always commenting on YouTube. You can do it too. Comment on YouTube, follow us, subscribe, click the button right below. You can also go to iTunes or SoundCloud. Let us know what you think. Subscribe to us everywhere. Where can we find you, Kevin? I'm Kevin John. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at HeyKevinJohn or on my website. It's KevinJohn.com. And you can find me, Megan Thomas, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MegScoop. Like scoop of ice cream. Hit me up because I want to know what you think. And use the hashtag ABTVTheGame. See you later. Peace out. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, you later! The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.